Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. So get ready, because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Max McGuire Show. My name is Max McGuire. Took a couple episodes off. Um, Started looking through the news. Didn't feel a whole lot. Had to be said about certain topics, but obviously yesterday, a tragic mass shooting. Two hours, actually. Two, two and a half hours from my house um, in Ovalde, Texas, which, um, if anyone doesn't know that area, it's a very rural area of Texas. Incidentally, it would have been where that old conservative daily ranch, the what, 1776 Patriot Ranch, if that had actually gotten off the ground, that's where that would have been, just to give people an idea of that area. Um, an 18-year-old went into a, an elementary school and shot children, shot teachers. Last count I saw was 19 children, 19 either children dead or 19 total dead. I know there was one teacher who passed away. Um, heartbreaking, truly heartbreaking. And, and these get more heartbreaking the older I get because my kids are getting older. My kids, um, I mean, my, my son's starting preschool this coming fall. Um, he's, he's starting preschool. He's going to private school. And one of the deciding factors, we were looking at a number of schools. One of the deciding factors was that the school where he's going to be going, you have to be buzzed in in order to get into the school. Whereas the other school, which is an open, open campus, anyone can just walk in. It, it gets heartbreaking thinking about what those parents were going through. The kids, siblings, just how many lives were ruined yesterday. There are no words. And we're learning more about what happened. I, I try not to get too far out ahead of this because that's I tend to leave that up to liberals to do because they do it every time. We know that the 18-year-old, who I will not be using his name, he doesn't deserve to have his name used. Many of these people seek recognition. They seek fame. He bought uh, at least one. I think it was two rifles, but not at the same time. But he bought a rifle from a federal firearms license, so an actual FFL licensed gun store. So he did it a couple days after his 18th birthday. He passed a background check. So I just want to get that out of the way right here. 18-year-old underwent a background check, passed a background check. So when you hear people today, inevitably it's already happened and more will, demand that Congress pass legislation such as H.R. 8, which is their so-called bipartisan background checks bill, um, know that that would not have stopped this. It would not have stopped it. Because this kid, well, he's a man, 18-year-old man, passed a background check. Lots of news outlets are saying that this is Texas's fault that Texas has deliberately loose gun laws. I'm sorry, he bought, he purchased it at a federally licensed gun dealer. Before the shooting, and, and I don't even know if you would call this a school shooting because he wasn't a student there. It was just, a, it was a mass shooting. So many times you think of a school shooting as a kid who went to school there showing up and killing his or her classmates. This wasn't a situation like that. It was an 18-year-old kid going to an elementary school. But before that, apparently he, he shot his grandmother. Early reports indicated that the grandmother passed away, but it doesn't look like that. It looks like the grandmother survived. 
He then crashed his car outside of the school, where in front of the school, it sounds like a, 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 a police officer. Here in Texas, the independent school districts, the ISDs, have their own police departments. Um, so I don't know if they te- if that technically would qualify as a school resource officer because they do have law enforcement powers. Um, it, it's it's usually you see on the side of a car ISD and then police. One of the um, independent school district police officers they're reporting as a school resource officer. That's fine. Open fire and engaged the gunman. And this is where I don't know enough about it. I don't think enough has come out. I don't understand how a law enforcement officer could have engaged a gunman outside of a school and for the gunman to get past him and get into the school. Most of the schools, at least in this area of Texas, you have to be buzzed in. They, they are hardened entrances. I don't know about that school in particular. I've seen some people reporting that it wasn't necessarily hardened the way you'd want schools to be hardened. Somehow, this gunman was able to get past an actual police officer who was opening fire on him and get into the school. He then proceeded to shoot a bunch of kids and a at least one teacher. I think I think I read two teachers, but I believe one teacher passed away. The gunman was killed by a border patrol agent who responded to the shooting. There were border patrol agents who responded to the school. Many of them had kids in the school. So DHS Department of Homeland Security has already said to the press that the gunman was killed by a border patrol agent who was responding on the scene. I'm not going to bring in politics of the border or anything like that, but um, good on them. I mean, they didn't have to go there. It wasn't their jurisdiction, but they did what they needed to do to keep the community safe. The aftermath of this, though, is disgusting. I have on screen, this is Shannon Watts. She, uh, She founded... Uh, Mom's demand action for gun sense in America. She got bought, literally bought, not her, but her organization got bought by Michael Bloomberg. And now she works for him, pushing gun control. She was putting out, she put out a tweet yesterday in response to Mitt Romney. She said, here are some answers for you. Don't let teens buy guns. An 18-year-old man. Just want to be absolutely clear, an 18-year-old man bought a gun. I, I think it's very interesting that today you hear Democrats and liberals, and in, and frankly, discussing even evenly some Republicans talking about how 18-year-olds shouldn't be allowed to buy guns, but these are the same kind of people who believe that 13- and 14-year-olds should be allowed to make life-changing medical decisions to undergo gender reassignment surgery. I, I, I have yet to understand the left's concept of consent. They want young kids to be able to consent to sex. They want young kids to be able to consent to life-changing, permanent disfigurement, but 18-year-olds shouldn't be allowed to purchase firearms. Not entirely sure. I still don't understand it. They, they seem to be talking out both sides of their mouth, but that's neither here nor there. He was not a teenager. I mean, technically 18, the word, the word teen in the number. But he's a man, an adult, passed a background check. Pa- and she says, pass a federal background check requirement. He passed a background check. The gun was purchased by, from a gun dealer He passed a background check. Pass a federal red flag law. I've seen some of the reporting, and this happens all the time, some of the reporting that he had exhibited red flags privately to people on social media, but I have not seen anything to suggest that he had been, 
like involuntarily admitted to a mental institution or anything that would rise to the level of a firearm disqualifier. He committed this crime, I think, a week after his 18th birthday. He doesn't exactly have a lengthy record to pull for a red flag law. And just to clarify, red flag laws are disgustingly unconstitutional. Red flag laws turn the entire concept of justice that we rely on in this country upside down. Instead of you being presumed innocent until proven guilty, a judge presumes you guilty until you can prove yourself innocent. Police officers and prosecutors can convince a judge to take away someone's guns, not by proving, not even by alleging that they've done anything wrong. They don't actually have to charge someone with a crime. They don't have to allege the law has been broken under red flag laws. They simply have to convince a judge that there's at least 51% likelihood that a gun owner is quote unquote dangerous. What does that mean? We have no idea. It's not, they're not claiming that he broke the law. They're not claiming that he's conspiring to break the law. Red flag law simply convince a judge that there's at least a 51% chance that a gun owner is dangerous, poses either danger to himself or danger to others. The reason that is incredibly dangerous, <laughs> incredibly risky, incredibly violative of your basic right to keep and bear arms is because, well, the Second Amendment exists to defend yourself against attackers. So yes, everyone who owns a gun is technically, in some way, dangerous to those who seek to violate their rights. That's the whole purpose of gun ownership. I guess some people just want to hunt, just want to engage in the shooting sports. But if you own a gun for self-defense, that by definition could be interpreted to, that you pose a danger to others. The truth is you only pose a danger to those who, who seek to assault you or attack you, but they can still argue that you pose a danger which is why I strongly recommend against people putting signs in front of their doors that say like this home doesn't call 911. Um, I, I know they're, they're at like flea markets and I, I like them. I mean, I, I get what they're saying, but you could, you could see how the government could make an argument that people who put out that kind of messaging are looking for trouble and they're dangerous. Well, in a state with red flag laws, that could be used to disarm people who have done nothing wrong. So the way red flag system works is they convince a judge, 51% chance. Um, it's called the preponderance of the evidence standard. It's a lower standard than guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, right? So you have reasonable suspicion, probable cause. Those are at the bottom. In order to prove guilt, you have to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. But in the civil courts, civil courts use this preponderance of the evidence standard. That's a more likely than not that it's true. Well, that's not really the kind of standard we should be using to decide whether someone should be able to keep their guns. So when someone gets their guns taken away in a red flag proceeding, it's usually gone for a couple weeks. They then have to come back before a judge, pay for an attorney or represent themselves and convince the judge that they deserve to have their guns back. The judge disagrees. Remember, this judge has already ruled without ever hearing any evidence that they are dangerous. If the judge disagrees, then they lose their gun rights for at least six months. And then the prosecutors can keep coming back and keep renewing it. So red flag laws are just fundamentally unjust, fundamentally unconstitutional. And I don't even think would have done anything in this case. Chen Watts says, close the Charleston loophole. The Charleston loophole is not a loophole, it's a compromise. When In 1994, when Congress was debating what's called the Brady Bill, the Brady background check bill, um, they wanted to allow the FBI to conduct a background check as long as they needed. So they called it an instant check. If you know the NIC system that the FBI uses, the I in NIC stands for instant. But the Democrats believe that something instantaneous should take weeks. Well, Republicans at the time understood that if you give the FBI an open-ended amount of time, unlimited time to conduct a background check, then they could just refuse to conduct the background check and block people from purchasing guns. So in order to pass the bill, 
the Brady Bill that created the background check system we use in gun stores today, Democrats had to concede to a three-day period. The FBI has three days to conduct an instant background check. Otherwise, the purchaser is able to take the gun home anyway. Understand that this three-day window was passed at a time when background checks were being, were being conducted using fax machines. Let me say that again. The instant, the Nix instant check system used fax machines all over the country to get people's criminal records. Well, today it's all online. A push of a button gets you everything you need to know. So why is it that a background check system in 1994 could be instant using a fax machine, but you need weeks today using the modern internet? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but that's their claim. And in this case, it wouldn't have mattered because I haven't seen anything to suggest that he failed the background check or that the background check went longer than three days. So that, again, wouldn't have actually done anything for the shooting. Confirm an ATF director. Confirm an ATF director. I'm going to go hard no on that one because everyone that Joe Biden has nominated would be terrible for the Second Amendment. I mean, there was a story today where they're putting out this ruling, and I, I go through all of this. I'm, I'm giving you a, a very concise Cliff's Notes version of this. All of this is in my book, Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument. Links are in the description. Um, every, gun, every ATF director that Joe Biden has put forward would be terrible for the Second Amendment. And there was just a story this week that the ATF is pushing through this rule to stop companies from selling kits that people could use to build their own guns. You've always been allowed to build your own gun under the federal law. Biden's trying to close that. The rule hasn't been finalized, but the ATF is now forcing stores to close down anyway, which is blatantly illegal, blatantly unconstitutional. So no, the ATF director wouldn't have done anything to stop this, but impose more restrictive gun control on the rest of us. Fund community violence intervention programs. Well, this is something that really depends on what that means. If you're actually going to send people into communities to try and dissolve, the, uh, try and uh, prevent things from happening, that's fine. The problem is when you actually look at the minutia in this, in these kind of proposals, it's just more gun control going in and, and trying to take people's guns away and stop taking NRA money. I actually haven't seen the NRA. The NRA is getting a lot of pushback today, but you notice how quiet they are. I went on their Twitter account this morning and they had posted nothing. I went on the NRA ILA, which is their, um, their lobbying arm. They had published nothing, absolutely nothing for five days. Um, so uh, the NRA is created, they're, they're making the NRA out to be this boogeyman, but the NRA isn't doing this. The NRA is getting sued right now. NRA is facing potential dissolution. If the New York Attorney General gets their way, the NRA would be dissolved as an organization. That's what, is, that's what this lawsuit's threatening. So no, this whole thing of taking NRA money isn't real, right? It isn't real. If you really want to look at an organization, I hate giving them these ideas, but the much more powerful organization nowadays, at least in my opinion, in terms of lobbying power, is NSSF, the National Shooting Sports Foundation. There might be an extra S in there, but I think that's it. That's the actual organization that represents gun stores and gun manufacturers and gun dealers. The NRA represents individuals. So the NRA isn't spending money right now. They're facing bankruptcy. I believe they actually are trying to restructure in bankruptcy. They are not the ones driving what's happening today. I wanted to just respond to this. And now we're going to play a bit from Joe Biden's speech. I, I, I tried to cut it up, but it was making me so angry. I actually didn't watch it all last night. I watched bits and pieces of it, watched most of it this morning. It, it made me furious. 
because, yes, my heart is breaking. And I can tell in the beginning that Joe Biden, his heart is breaking, too. Everyone's heart is breaking. You hear a story of a gunman walking into an elementary school shooting children. Everyone's heart just melts for that. It's terrible. But as you watch this, and I apologize if people have been trying to avoid this, it's important to watch this to know what the other side is doing. As you watch this, you will see Joe Biden become just uncontrollably angry and divisive. I say that this is, I believe this is the most divisive and partisan post-tragedy speech ever delivered from the White House. I cannot remember another time when a president had attempted to unify the country and ended up dividing the country as much as Joe Biden did last night. So I want to play this clip. Um, well, actually, first, you know what? Let's play Tucker's response, because I, I find myself agreeing with Tucker on this. Let's do a little bit of a reverse storytelling. Here's Tucker's response to it, if you haven't already seen it, and then we'll get into the actual speech. Here's Tucker. Will you go to Texas, sir? President of the United States, frail, confused, bitterly partisan, desecrating the memory of recently murdered children with tired talking points from the Democratic Party, dividing the country in a moment of deep pain rather than uniting, his voice rising, amplified only as he repeats the talking points he repeated for over 35 years in the United States Senate, partisan politics being the only thing that animates him, unfit for leadership of this country. Will Cain is a man. So that's Tucker's take on it. And frankly, I agree with I agree with it. I think that I'll have to watch it again. I don't know whether he was unable to get the words out or if he was struggling through emotion. I can't tell. But yeah, there was everything Tucker just said is spot on. So let's watch this. We're going to start and stop it. Respond to it. Here's Joe Biden's address last night. Fast forward a little bit. Another massacre, Uvalde, Texas, an elementary school, beautiful, innocent, second, third, fourth graders. <clears throat> and how many scores of little children who witnessed what happened see their friends die as if they're on a battlefield, for God's sake? They'll live with it the rest of their lives. There's a lot we don't know yet. There's a lot we do know. The parents who will never see their child again, never have them jump in bed and cuddle with them. <clears throat> parents who will never be the same. So one thing right off the bat, he is jumping from teleprompter to his own off-the-cuff response in a, in a situation like this, my advice to anyone would be to read the teleprompter. If, if you do not like the speech, rewrite the speech. Because what you see here, like so many other Joe Biden speeches, is he has a different tone of voice between what he's supposed to be saying and what he chooses to be saying. Let's keep going. To lose a child is like having a piece of your soul ripped away. There's a hollowness in your chest. You feel like you're being sucked into it and never going to be able to get out. Suffocating. 
It's never quite the same. It's the feeling shared by the siblings and the grandparents and the family members and the community that's left behind. Scripture says, Jill and I have talked about this. Yes, that's a lie. Um, (laughs) Joe Biden has not turned to Scripture. I don't believe it. This is something that... (sighs) I, I he does it because he needs to do it to make himself feel and come off as more presentable. This is something that has been going on so much in the conservative movement. People citing scripture. Um, no, listen. I know some of them are very devout. I look at Lynn Wood and Lynn Wood. If it seems legitimate that when he quotes scripture, he means it. There are other people who who quote scripture because they want to see people quoting scripture. Now, I I am a faithful person. I'm a Catholic. I don't usually wear it on my sleeve. I, I wear my rosary under my under my shirt. Um, I don't feel the need to have to sh- prove to you that I'm a Christian. Prove to you that I can I can, I can recite all of the different Bible verses, Bible teachings. Some people do. Um, it's up to everyone to use their discernment to figure out whether that's legitimate. I do not believe that Joe Biden is legitimate here. But you know what? Let's keep listening and let's see. Different context, another context. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So many crushed spirits. So tonight, I ask the nation to pray for them, give the parents and siblings the strength in the darkness they feel right now. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? So this is why I don't believe that was sincere. People who sincerely and organically quote scripture like that don't usually follow that up by using the Lord's name in vain, by saying, when in God's name are we going to do something? It just... It's very obvious that whoever wrote that speech for him, this second part was completely off script. You could tell. You could tell. No one would write a Bible verse and then follow that up by having him shout out, when in God's name are we going to take on the gun lobby? And as I just said a few minutes ago, the gun lobby is always made out to be the boogeyman. Look around. Ask yourself, what is the NRA doing today? I mean, I can look it up. They hadn't put out anything this morning. I'll do it again. Um, the NRA ILA hadn't put out anything in a few days. I know that um, they have their big NRA ILA um, gathering happening. Yeah, like like right here. Let's just look at it. Um, oh, hold on. I don't want to lose my spot. Here is uh, the NRA's Twitter feed. So you have their announcement on May 12th that Donald Trump is addressing members in Houston this Friday. And then their next most recent tweet was on the 23rd. They haven't put anything out. So they're making, Joe Biden's trying to paint them as this boogeyman. Because that's what the left does. That's what gun control advocates do. It's just, it's it's so strange to go from mourning children, which I think we all listen to that, even if we believe that he's a little insincere with that. I think we can all listen to that and and agree at least with with the words. We might not believe his sentiment, might not believe he means it, but the words as written, if, if we're just reading it and not caring about who said it, we can all agree with it. We are heartbroken to follow that up by saying, when in God's name are we going to take on the gun lobby? 
unnecessarily divisive, at least in my opinion. You can let me know in the comment section what you think on Rumble. Let's keep going. When in God's name we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done, it's been 3,448 days, 10 years since I stood up at a high school in Connecticut, a grade school in Connecticut, where another government ma massacred 26 people, including 20 first graders at Sandy Hook Elementary School. Since then, there have been over 900 incidents of gunfires reported on school grounds. So that number is misleading. I believe I actually go through this in my book. As I'm thinking about this, I'm realizing I missed out. I missed, I left out a few things in my book. I might need to go make an edit and have a second volume. Um, that number is misleading because the number of gun of instances of gunfire on school campus do not all involve mass shootings. They have involved cases where people have driven onto school property and killed themselves in the parking lot. They have included at least one instance of a BB gun being fired on a school bus. One instance of a BB gun being fired at a school bus. Um, they've in involved cases where police officers have accidentally discharged their weapon in a school parking lot or crazy enough on school grounds. So that number is misleading. It is not accurate, but he trots it out anyway. Let's keep going. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Santa Fe High School in Texas, Oxford High School in Michigan. The list goes on and on, and the list grows when it includes mass shootings at places like movie theaters, houses of worship, as we saw just 10 days ago at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York. One thing that all these places have in common is that they are technically, in, in most cases, gun-free zones. Um, so these are areas where under federal law or local law or at the owner's behest, law-abiding citizens are not allowed to carry firearms on that property. So the, what you're left with are, if you're lucky, maybe a police officer, maybe a, a security guard to protect you and lawbreakers, criminals who don't care about that law carrying anyway. This has always been something that has I've had a hard time wrapping my head around. I understand the concept trying to elevate charges against people who bring guns onto school property, but someone who's intent on killing 20 people is not going to care about being charged with a lesser crime of bringing a gun onto school property. The only people who worry about that are the law-abiding citizens who will leave it in their car. I mean, here in Texas, we have these signs, the 30-06, 30-7. They tell you what kind of carry you can engage in at different um, businesses, different facilities. Um, the three signs mean different things, but in parking lots where there are in parking lots at facilities where they do not allow concealed carry or open carry, there are more car robberies in those parking lots than in other parking lots where you're allowed to carry into the establishment because people, criminals understand that people are going to be locking up their guns in their glove compartment and it's easy pickings if you want to steal some guns. All of these things he's listing are gun-free zones where under either federal law, state law, or at the behest of the owner, they've made it very, very hard for good people to defend themselves or to defend others. Let's keep going. I am sick and tired of it. We have to act. And don't tell me we can't have an impact on this carnage. I spent my career as a senator and a 
vice president working to pass common sense gun laws. We can and won't prevent every tragedy, but we know they work and have positive impact. When we passed the assault weapons ban, mass shootings went down. When the law expired, mass shootings tripled. So what changed in that time was the definition of mass shootings. the way we define mass shootings, I mean, gun control advocates will define a mass shooting as anytime two people are shot. I mean, the really radical ones will sneak that in anytime two people are shot. So it's technically a murder-suicide, in many of these people's opinion, if you read the fine print, would be classified as a mass shooting. Um, what he is deliberately leaving out here is the Columbine shooting happened after the assault weapon ban, one of the worst mass shootings in American history, one of the worst school shootings in American history happened after the assault weapon ban, and it happened with assault weapon ban compliant weapons and a sawed off shotgun that was illegally manufactured, proving that the criminals who intend to kill our children do not care what the law says, they will do whatever it takes to get it done. But he's leaving that out. The idea that an 18 year old kid can walk into a gun store and buy two assault weapons 18-year-old man, just to be clear, um, and yeah, he's 18-year-old man because that's what the law says. It's just wrong. What in God's name do you need to solve him for except to kill someone? Obviously, he doesn't understand what the second amendment is. He's about to, he's about to say a very crude and really out-of-place, disgusting joke. The Second Amendment, let's be honest for a second. The Second Amendment exists to empower Americans to kill people. That might be not politically correct, but if you own a gun for self-defense, you own a gun so that if called upon, you can kill someone else who is either attacking you or a loved one or another third party. That is why the Second Amendment exists. The Second Amendment does not exist to go hunting. It does not exist to put holes in paper. The Second Amendment exists to kill bad people. So let us be clear. Guns are designed to kill bad people. And yeah, there are some hunting guns, sure. But defensive firearms, unless you're looking for a bear gun, unless you want a 10 millimeter gun and you're going to be going through the woods and you know you're going to be facing bears, pretty much every other self-defense gun is designed to kill people. And that is not a bug, is a feature, and is an essential part of the Second Amendment. Not innocent people but violent people who are attacking you, who are attacking others. They are trying to twist it to to muddy the waters and to make it seem wrong. They want you to think of self-defense as something that is dirty. Keep going. Deer aren't running through the forest with Kevlar vests on, for God's sake. I want to pause here. That's the joke I just said. Deer aren't running through the forest with Kevlar vests on, for God's sake, again, using the Lord's name in vain, which again undercuts his whole scripture moment earlier. I want to play this part of the clip. This is him saying the same exact joke at his State of the Union address and listen to the laughter in the audience after he's done saying it. Ban assault weapons with high capacity magazines hold up to 100 rounds. You think the deer are wearing Kevlar vests? Look. Who in their right mind would think that this is the right time to go off script and tell a joke. That's a joke. Every time he has told it, he has gotten chuckles. Why do you need an AR-15? The deer aren't running through the forest with Kevlar vests on. Who in their right mind 
would tell a joke at a moment like this? Well, someone who's losing their mind, who is just clinging to all these talking points. These are all talking points he's already repeated. And when he goes off script, he's not saying anything organic, anything fresh. These are all recycled talking points. But how disgusting is it to use this time to tell a joke? Let's all let's be a little honest for a second. Kevlar vests, soft vests, was it type two, type two body armor, two A, or three body armor, depending on what type you're talking about. Um, yeah, that won't stop an AR-15 round. It also won't stop any hunting round. Kevlar will not stop any semi-automatic hunting round. Period. Full stop. It just won't. Even any bolt action. Any center fire hunting round will go right through a Kevlar vest. Why? Because they're not designed to stop rifle fire. Soft vests are designed to stop pistol fire. So when he creates, he doesn't know he's doing this. He's not smart enough to know he's doing this. But this is a, this is a focus group tested comment and is built on decades of gun control talking points. They want the American people to be conditioned to believe that no one should be able to own guns that can pierce a soft Kevlar vest. Which would be every single rifle except for 22 long rifle and maybe a couple that are chambered in carbine calibers or in handgun calibers. If it's a center fire rifle round, it will pierce the vest. He wants to condition the American people to be okay with banning guns that can pierce the vest without telling them that every kind of rifle can do it. Let's keep going. It's just sick. And the gun manufacturers have spent two decades aggressively marking assault weapons, which make them the most and largest profit. For God's sake, we have to have the courage to stand up to the industry. Here's what else I know. Most Americans support common sense laws. Common so most Americans support the things that he proposes until they actually get into the nitty gritty details of it. I go through it in my book. But when you, when you ask Americans, do you support background checks? They'll say, yeah, that sounds like a good deal. When you read them what the law says and say, do you support turning someone into a felon because they handed a gun to a friend or they had a, a house fire and need to have a friend store their guns? All of a sudden people say no. When you ask them, do you think the government should be able to start creating a registry of who owns what weapons? Those same people say uh, no. And that's the problem. That's the biggest problem with the background check, other than the fact that it's, it's overly intrusive, it costs money. The whole only way to enforce a background check bill is to have a registry. So let's just look at the background check bill we have now. Background check bill we have now requires that you undergo a background check federally, requires you undergo a background check if you buy a gun from a licensed gun dealer. The way they enforce that well, it's very easy to do for new guns because new guns have a, have a very clean paper trail. When, when it's manufactured and assigned a serial number, it's, there's a paper trail. When it goes to the distributor, there's a paper trail. When it goes to the gun store, there's a paper trail. So if someone all of a sudden uses a brand new gun in a crime, it is very easy to trace back where that gun came from as, as long as it isn't defaced with the serial number. Very easy to trace back where that gun came from and find out whether or not a background check was conducted. It's a little bit more complicated with used guns. Um, but with new guns, it's, it's very easy to do. When the left says they want universal background checks, it is not enforceable without some kind of registry. How can they prove that you didn't have a background check if they don't know who possessed the gun right before you? 
That's an essential part of the background check. Because without that, you can just claim that you always owned it. Again, this is for older guns. Harder to do that with new guns. So when they talk about background checks, they need a registry. Just because it isn't in the bill now doesn't mean it wouldn't come later. Let's keep going. Nonsense gun laws. I just got off a trip from Asia meeting with Asian leaders. And I learned of this while I was on the aircraft. And what struck me on that 17-hour flight, what struck me was these kinds of mass shootings rarely happen anywhere else in the world. Why? There is an inherent risk to freedom. Yes, when you allow the American people to possess arms, there are going to be the criminal class that misuse that freedom. Absolutely true. When you give people the right of free speech, there are going to be people who misuse that freedom and cause harm to others. Absolutely true. The solution is not to restrict those rights and liberties. Remember, this is the Second Amendment. When we were done creating the federal government after the Articles of Confederation failed, because there wasn't a government powerful enough to actually do anything. After we were done creating the government and enumerating the powers for all three branches, the second thing that they wrote down was that everyone, <laughs> people have the right to own guns. They said, you have the right to say whatever you want and you have the right to own a gun. The Second Amendment holds up all of the other rights. Interestingly enough, he did not mention some of the countries that do have uh, a rich tradition of gun ownership, like the Philippines, for example. The Philippines has a very rich history of gun manufacturing, um, gun ownership. He doesn't mention that. He points to Asian countries. I'm sure he would point to China. I'm sure he would point to China, which, yeah, China doesn't have a lot of shootings. They do have mass stabbings, which is incredible. People, like Dozens of people getting stabbed all at once. But you don't really want to point to the most restrictive countries, the ones that violate Americans, uh, violate their citizens' rights and liberties as an example that deserves to be followed. They have mental health problems. They have domestic disputes in other countries. They have people who are lost. But these kinds of mass shootings never happen with the kind of frequency they happen in America. Why? Well, I mean, you look at somewhere like Israel. Israel, um, they harden their most valuable, valuable resources. So here in the United States, we harden what the powerful, what the wealthy feel is important. So the Super Bowl has a ton of security, right? The banks have a ton of security. The White House, the courthouses have a ton of security. Here in the United States, we do not harden our schools to our great shame. We do not harden our schools. Again, there was a resource officer, an ISD police officer at the school, engaged the, the, the gunman yesterday. The gunman got past him and got into the school. I don't understand why that entrance wasn't locked down. I don't understand why that entrance didn't have bulletproof glass, why it didn't, didn't have hardened doors. We just spent $40 billion to Ukraine. $40 billion to Ukraine. I was looking at a, a statistic. I don't know. I have to crunch the numbers on it. But it sounded like you could go to every public school and private school, or at least 1,300 of them, and give them $300,000 to harden their facilities. And that would have pretty much hit the $40 billion we just gave to Ukraine.
No, it, it's not an issue of we can't afford it. We just gave a ton of money away. We absolutely can afford it. The cost, I put this in my book. I don't remember the cost exactly off the top of my head. Um, it would be in a couple hundred million to actually train and give bonuses to school teachers, between 10 and 20% of school teachers to train them and give them bonuses so that they would carry on school property. The left says we can't afford it, yet they give the, they give the money away to Ukraine. Now, we need to harden our most valuable asset. Our most valuable asset in this world, it's not money. It's not gold in the Federal Reserve or at Fort Knox. It's the next generation. The next generation coming up, they are the most precious thing we have, and we're not protecting it. We're not protecting them. It's very obvious. Why are we willing to live with this carnage? Why do we keep letting this happen? Where in God's name is our backbone? So again, another, another uh, using the Lord's name in vain. Where is our backbone? I would say the same thing to him. Where is your backbone, sir? Why are you not taking steps to protect children? Let's say you never get a single gun control proposal that you want. I bet you could get a supermajority in the Senate and a majority in the House to vote to keep schools more secure, to give schools funding to lock down the entrances and exits, put bulletproof glass on the, on the windows and in the doors, harden the, harden the actual doors in the classrooms. I saw a device a while ago. I just remembered it. It's a device that you can actually, if you have one of those doors that have the, uh, the, the hydraulic system that opens and closes it, it kind of ends up looking like a, a V. There's a device that you can just slip around that that makes it impossible to open the door. Or a wedge that you put in the actual under the door or near the door handle that makes it impossible to open the door. It's a couple bucks. I mean, there's things we can be doing, absolutely, to keep children safe. If only people like Joe Biden would stop trying to take everyone else's guns away, maybe we could have those conversations. To have the courage to deal with it and stand up to the lobbies. It's time to turn this pain into action. For every parent, for every citizen in this country, we have to make it clear to every elected official in this country, it's time to act. It's time for those who obstruct or delay or block the common sense gun laws. We need to let you know that we will not forget. We can do so much more. We have to do more. Our prayer tonight is those parents before he gets back in, he's, he's off script. Now he's getting back to the teleprompter, praying for the parents. There is not a, the only proposals that would have stopped this would have outlawed, would have been the ones that outlaw semi-automatic rifles. But here's the thing. I don't think preventing that gunman from owning a semi-automatic rifle would have stopped that from happening. Could have done it with a handgun. Could have done it with a lever action gun. Could have done it with a shotgun. None of the proposals that Democrats are actually putting forward would have prevented that. And a little bit ago, I didn't comment on it, but I want to comment on it now. He says that we're not going to stop all mass shootings. The truth is, every time one of these shootings happens, the proposals that they're putting forward would not have stopped what they're claiming to respond to. It wouldn't have stopped this. Forcing, back, forcing background checks wouldn't have stopped this. 
outlaw gun shows wouldn't have stopped this. It wouldn't have stopped it. He didn't purchase his gun at a gun show. He didn't have the Charleston loophole. He didn't wait three days and then take the gun without a background check. He didn't do any of that. None of these proposals would have done anything to stop that, which is why so many gun owners are furious after all of these mass shootings, because it's very, it's very clear what their goal is. Not to stop the killers. The killers are going to arm themselves no matter what. Remember, as I said, Columbine happened after the assault weapon ban. It's gonna, they're going to do whatever they have to do. But they're coming after us. About a minute left. Let's keep going. Lying in bed and trying to figure out. Will I be able to sleep again? What do I say to my other children? What happens tomorrow? May God bless the loss of innocent life on this sad day. And may the Lord be near the brokenhearted and save those crushed in spirit because they're going to need a lot of help and a lot of our prayers. God love you. So, uh, tell me, am I wrong? That felt like the most divisive partisan response to a tragedy that I've ever seen from the White House. I mean, we see it from Capitol Hill. We see it. Um, <laughs> we see it in Congress. I'm going to see if I can find this. Um, there was a congressman who responded to Ted Cruz. And yeah, here we go. This guy's name is Ruben Gallego. He is a member of Congress for Arizona's 7th Congressional District. This is a member of Congress, people. And he just, he just tweeted at Ted Cruz. Let me see if I can find it. Actually, I think it's right here. Um, here we go. Just to be clear, F you, Ted Cruz, you effing baby killer. That was from a member of Congress, a member of the House of Representatives, to Ted Cruz yesterday on Twitter. F you, Ted Cruz, you effing baby killer. How is it possible to, to come together as a country and take steps that both sides can actually agree on when one side is saying this to the other? How is that possible? How is that possible? Because it's not Republican members of Congress who are talking like this to their Democrat colleagues. No, it's always one way. It's always one way. Makes you wonder. I don't know. It was very clear that Joe Biden was, uh, I, you can tell what parts of the speech were written and what parts were off the cuff. And the parts that were off the cuff were deliberately designed to divide us even further, drive a wedge in the country. Now, our heart, all of our hearts break seeing what happened. I mean, I have it right here. This is San Antonio. It's, it's about an hour and a half west of San Antonio, Uvalde. About two, two and a half hours from me, depending on traffic. I mean, our hearts break seeing this. But that doesn't justify what Joe Biden just did. And in, in moments of tragedy, in moments of national mourning, you want to give the president of the United States the benefit of the doubt and to hope that he'll actually say the right thing and bring the country together. But what Joe Biden showed last night is he's incapable of doing it. And it wasn't in his prepared remarks. It was his off-the-cuff remarks. His prepared remarks were very nice. 
It's where he went off <laughs> off track and started blaming gun owners because that's what realize that's what he means when he says the gun lobby. The NRA does not represent gun stores. The NRA represents gun owners. Yes, there are gun stores that donate to the NRA for raffles and things like that, but the NRA supports gun owners. The NSSF, they in support the gun industry. When he says we have to go after the gun lobby, he's talking about going after you and organizations that speak for you, that you're a member of, that you donate to, that you support. It would be like saying you're going up against the free speech lobby, the ACLU, which I am no fan of. Well, if you go after the ACLU, you're going after the members of the ACLU, not going after <laughs> the, the companies that manufacture ballpoint pens when you attack the freedom of speech. You're going after the people who enjoy the speech. I don't know. I, I, am, I am more discouraged having listened to that speech than I thought was even possible. I thought my heart breaking for that... This tragedy was going to be it. But the, the partisanship that this man just displayed, it's irredeemable. It's completely and totally irredeemable. So before I wrap up, I, I want to ask for some prayers. I know I don't usually do this kind of things. And I'm sure they don't want me to mention it, but it looks like my, my parents do have COVID right now. They're doing well. Um, but if you could keep them in your prayers, that would be great. Uh, I would really appreciate that. Um, it sounds like my dad turned the corner. My mom's just coming down with it. So just keep them in your prayers if you can um, for and pray for their fast recovery. And uh, to the people who spent yesterday attacking me and my family, um, this might be a good sign to stop. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Max Squire Show. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe to the audio editions available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Podbean. All those links are in the description. We go live Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central, 11 Mountain, and 10 Pacific. If you're in Hawaii, you're going to have to do the <laughs> do the calculations yourself. But 1%, 1 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday, tune in for that. Took a couple days off, but couldn't stay away from this anymore. This story was just too big. As I mentioned, um, I don't want to use this to, to sell a book, but if you want to defend the Second Amendment, you want to talk about gun rights the way I talk about them, um, it's in my book, The Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument. Um, I highly recommend that you get it. If you've already gotten it and you are enjoying it, please do consider leaving a good review, a five-star review on Amazon if you can. Help me bump it up in the rankings so more people can see it. Um, everything that I've, I've spent the past decade arguing in defense of the Second Amendment, put it in here. Um, so this is the best recommendation I can have um, if you want to learn how to defend the Second Amendment against all of these very predictable attacks. Pick up my book. Link is in the description. And there, and there is a, um, an ebook version on Amazon as well. So that's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. Again, my name is and will remain Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win it's if we all step and fight together. See you tomorrow.